1: to a rainy day episode of the film board from the next reel on Rashpixel.fm, we spoil movies and this month we have returned from summer break and are pondering the question where'd you go bernadette
2: where'd you go bernadette
1: <laughs> Morning, Rosie. hey mom do you guys remember when you told me if i got perfect grades all the way through middle school i could have anything i wanted
3: i think it was to ward off any further talk of a pony
1: want to know what it is
3: i don't know do we a
1: family trip to
0: antarctica ponies are cute, and maybe not as much trouble as we thought. You'll never guess what happened. She disappeared.
2: Bernadette. What? She didn't just vanish. I'm gonna get my gear. Bernadette!
0: Bernadette. Bernadette.
1: Bernadette. Oof. (laughs) It's a... A best selling nonlinear novel by Maria Semple that has received the dramedy treatment by Richard Linkletter. And the first spoiler here may be that the movie is incredibly linear which seems a bit unfortunate, but fight me. Any takers? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, let, let, we'll get into it more in the show, but we are building a simple, straightforward search team for this movie. And let's introduce our pals for tonight's gang of thugs. Say hello, Steve Sarmento.
3: Good evening, everyone.
1: And hello, Tommy handsome. There you are, Bernadette. These guys call me JJ. And I would just like to highlight that this is the first time in film board history that we've chosen a movie based on input from our awesome community over on discord. We have a cool, critical mass of contributors over there now and we we're bouncing back and forth between this one and good boys good boys the kind of raunchy kitty comedy that doesn't make sense those words shouldn't belong in the same sentence we were bouncing around between these two for this weekend so we opened it up to the group and break down at bernie's one in a landslide so we're bringing it to you here now. I love doing it this way, and I think we will do more of it in the future. Not sure about next month, but we're going to open it up because it's so great to get interactivity from everyone. What did you guys think? Did you like the way that that worked with the polling and everything?
3: Very much so. Yeah, because we were we sort of split on this one and said, well, we could go either way. I think we would have been happy to view others. Uh view either of the films. So yeah, getting a sense of feedback of what people wanted to hear us talk about uh, was really helpful.
1: Awesome. Everyone out there, if you're listening, you can find out more about how you can join our uh, cool discord chats at thenextreal.com. Okay. Okay. What did you think of Bernadette? What are your initial thoughts on this movie, Tommy?
2: I, first and foremost, I had not read the book. I knew that it was famous Fair. and very beloved. So I went in and actually, this is the movie that I've known the least about going into it. In history. Potentially, <laughs> it really feels like it. I had no idea who Bernadette was. All I knew was Kate Blanchett. Okay, and I maybe that helped me really not enjoy this movie. Oh no, <laughs> I was not a fan of this movie, uh, pretty much at all. Um, okay. I thought uh, Kate Blanchett did a great job playing a character that unfortunately is insufferably self-absorbed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought the tone was all over the place. At times it wanted to be a satire. At times it wanted to be a humanistic sort of character study. I didn't really understand uh, what all the fuss was about.
1: So unfortunately, I did not enjoy it. Well, I think think you say that. And I think you say the fuss being about it. I think some of the fuss is really about how the book and the movie differ. And I think we might get into that a little bit.
2: People that did read the
1: book and they were able to tell me sort of what was missing cool well i'm gonna get into that as well how about you steve what did you think
3: well like tommy i have not read the book uh but i typically even when i have read the book i always look at this as an adaptation because if you want to experience the book then read the book or listen to a, go on audible and get it there and then you can get it again but different um uh, it You've got to condense things down into a reasonable time frame. You've got to have a way to engage the audience that can't put the movie down for at the end of a chapter and then come back half a day later and pick it back up. You've got to keep them engaged from beginning to end. Uh, so, yeah, I knew that there were some nonlinear issues in the book, that it was you know, sort of uniquely structured with a lot of documents and all of these things that are non-traditional narratives. So how do you adapt that? And you go with a straightforward narrative with this. And for me, I had a lot of personal connections to this story. Uh, I, I know some of these types of people and I really enjoyed it. I had a I had a really good time with this. Uh, and I, I, to me, it is a movie that really hinges on the success of who you cast as Bernadette. And to me, this was perfect casting for this. I think it was just a, a great performance from Kate to to embody Bernadette and the things that she's going through in her life. So I had a a great time with her journey and her transformation that we see sort of the ups and downs in her life. Um, and I think perhaps that comes from being in the family where we've got creative people that have had similar conflicts or scenarios in in their life that, you know, can sort of relate to some of the the conflicts and stressors in her life.
1: Well, that's cool. And I think, uh, you know, I totally want to get into, you know, which kind of people you're talking about that you have in your life where that personal connection is because I think that's important to this too I think it'll be interesting for us on this show because I think this might be a little bit of a left right and center <laughs> version of the podcast because for me it felt like a very middling movie um, there were parts of it where I it, and I think that might be some of what the unevenness that that Tommy was talking about because at some points I felt like okay I like this direction or I like this pull that we're doing but it seemed to twist in in, of itself in places and I never knew really who to like or who to champion and it felt like they were doing that to me on purpose. So at, at times there were things that I liked and I wanted to do more of it and there at other times I was like, where did this come from? And then of course the runtime's a 100 minutes. So we did it all in a very short amount of time where I think that really if you wanted to give a lot of uh, respect to this book that it's a huge bestseller. I mean, a lot of people reading it. Goodreads is one of my favorite websites out there. And uh, looking at the list of people that I know that have either read this or are reading it or are going to read it, it's probably the largest book Adaptation to movie that we've ever done in terms of popularity for the book part. So I, I'm, I, I'm really interested in that. But I think I just want to give a quick synopsis of, of what I saw as the movie, although I don't know because again, we're condensing it into this hundred minutes, I don't know if I can give it justice. So we've talked about Kate already. Kate Blanchett plays this super special architect who was a rising star in LA. And she there she met a super special tech bro played by Billy Crudup. And they fell in love and they get married and then they moved to Seattle after his innovation is bought by Microsoft and one of her super special projects is tragically trashed. So she hates it in Seattle and they struggle to have kids through a number of different things and pregnancy and parenting begin to take over the complete focus of Kate Blanchett's character's creative genius and her brain space. They have a daughter, and Bernadette, that's Kate Blanchett's character, her achievements are kind of left behind. She kind of in, it acclimates to this suburban annoyance and drudgery. And after we witness a fair amount of that, mom gets pl- close to. Plunging off the deep end and dad brings in the big gun, psychiatric guns to have her committed, which is something that I want to talk about as well. She escapes. That's where did you go and rediscovers the right hemisphere of her brain and her escape and epiphany brings the family back together emotionally if not geographically. So I don't know if that's the best summary for this movie, because most of what I just described uh, described to you guys, most of it is in the retelling of the backstory of the movie. What is the actual story here? Is it the history that I, you know, this kind of recounting, is it, is it her journey? Because that's really just a short bit of the third, third act here, or is it some combination? What is this meant to be an homage to the, uh, you mentioned the correspondence, the emails and the the sort of novelty nature of the book. Or is it something different? What was the story to you?
2: Oh, that type really? Of book is called epistolary where it's I've all never heard that word before. Through letters. It's like Dracula.
1: Dracula, the whole thing is written through correspondence. Okay. So is that, is that why we get the story this way? What was the story for you? What, what? what was the narrative through line that kept you watching this movie? I'd like to hear from Steve. Oh,
3: okay. Yeah. All right. For, well, I guess, you know, what you don't mention is, is sort of in your retelling is we actually don't get to the, you know, where's, where's Bernadette going to, to fairly late in the film. Uh, it's something that in a
1: typical,
2: I mean, we kind of see in the cold open. Don't we? Well, that's, yes, that's
1: yes. the book. Right. Right. Yes. But, okay. we, yeah, but, The most artful shot in the entire movie. But uh,
3: yeah, we we know she's, and then it's, uh, yeah, we do the then five weeks earlier, uh, but then it's quite a chunk of time. And I thought, that's not normal. You figure you were, if you're going to have a mystery of where a character went, you want to have them disappear somewhere around, you know, 15 to 20 minute marks. You've got your mystery to drive you through. And that's when I realized this isn't so much about where she's going. It's about what pushes her to make that choice to bail out on her family, to, to disappear? What is it that's, that's pushing her and driving her? For, so for me, it's that exploration of the the creative type who sidelines the career for, you know, we'll, we can talk about the reasons that that happens to her um, and lives that more typical life. Um, and then has this sort of reawakening of sort of the second second act in your career. Um, So it's, it's for me as a parent, it's the, I have the things that I want to do. Now I've got kids, my life sort of gets put on hold because I've got responsibilities to other people. Now, because my kids are on the verge of leaving the house, it's like, I have a little bit more freedom, a little bit more ability to explore, you know, the creative projects that I want wanted to do. My wife's in a similar situation. Uh, so for me, that was the appeal of how, how do you manage, how do you juggle that balancing act between your own personal ambitions and your duties and responsibilities as a parent? And for me, it was absolutely captured in the very strange house that that family's living in with some rooms that are completely finished, which are sort of some of the key rooms, like bedrooms, uh, and the rest of the house is left in various states of, of remodeling because just has not been a priority or hasn't been able to get to it. And I see the same thing in different spheres of my life of I've had to be on top of these things. There's other things I have not been able to tend to. Um, Maybe now I can. So for me, it's it's a character piece is really what it is, is just going on this journey with Bernadette.
2: And that makes a lot of sense to me, except I think you sort of hit on why I had trouble connecting to it. Sure. Because I kind of feel like... Unlike a movie like The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, mm-hmm. uh, the remake yeah. uh, with Ben Stiller, yeah. which is another go off on an adventure that you don't seem ready for yes. and you find yourself, this movie instead, I felt like another title of it could have been White Privilege, the movie. <laughs> like everyone is doing great. They have so much money, they have so much so ability much to mm-hmm. do anything at all times that it really hurt. For me, my ability to really lean in and be like, yeah, you should go find yourself, Bernadette. Where did you go? Because I didn't care enough. I just thought she was very, very unsympathetic. And unfortunately, when you come from so much privilege, so much money, so much ability to do anything, and yet you treat everyone around you in a selfish way, then I don't care about your journey.
3: Part of me, and I feel bad, makes me more want to be like, stop whining so much. Interesting. I my brother and I had a conversation about just that thing as we left the movie. We said, you know, for us it had that potential to do that. It didn't strike us that way. Um it's, yeah. it's interesting because that that's the huge issue I have with the movie Almost Famous. I'm like, "Quit your whining mm. kid, you're out on the road being a journalist with the greatest rock bands of all time." Wow, my mom. I'm like, "I don't care." Uh but for this one, yeah, it didn't strike me that way and we thought we wondered if there was going to be a group of people out there, you know, saying that same thing of like, great, you got a billionaire tech husband, what what have you got to complain about? Yeah. No, I I You know, it, I see and it. And that's
1: happened with other movies yeah. with us on this show too. If you go back and listen to during the David Fincher series, uh Andy and Pete talking about the game. Mm-hmm. And thinking about Michael Douglas yeah. and his character in the game, and I, that's a movie that I love. I mean, it's probably on my top 20. And But in listening to their analysis of it, they never can embody the sort of... The, the terror or the frustration that his character has because he is in that white privilege role because he's so well off and all this bad stuff is happening to him and they never feel emotionally connected to him because of that reason. And I think I've oh, seen that's a lot interesting, of interesting because I really do connect to him. Right. So, so I don't know I if mean, that distro-
2: what what's different about this.
1: Well,
3: uh, because you're a man, Tommy and Bernadette's it's a woman. <laughs> I really hope that's not the truth. I hope not to. But wait I a minute, it... the doctor was a mother. I gotta
1: go to bed. <laughs> but I think it may have to do with time. I mean, the game came out what is that? Late nineties or early two thousands. Um, it's, it's quite a long time ago and there's been a lot of changes really. And you look at uh, when the book came out and, and, and even the changes that have happened in our world since then. And it's much harder to look at this sort of fictionalized state of this, this woman's life. And when she is this rising star, uh, and she's married to this again, this, this super rich tech person, they even mock it, you know, repeatedly talking about Microsoft money and, and all these sort of these, sort of high-dollar things in Seattle, um, it it may be tough for people to reach that level of sympathy for people who have it that that good. Um, but I, it also reminded me of, you know, kind of the way that it makes a darling out of architecture and the architecture world. It really reminded me of something like The Fountainhead. Where um, there's all these people who make these kind of big turns in the big world of Mid Atlantic and New England architecture, and it, it's really hard to it, for me in reading Rand books, it's really hard for me to feel for them because of this world that they've chosen to inhabit. So I get that feeling from this as well. That that definitely I felt that as well. It, one of the things that I find interesting about Linkletter when he talks about this is that you know Bernadette wasn't really present in. In the book. Bernadette was, it, because it was all these correspondences and it was really uh, B, the daughter, really kind of piecing together what had happened to her through these correspondences. Uh, Link Letter said that, well, we couldn't have our protagonist uh, uh, not present for the first two thirds of the movie. So they made the book, even though B is the narrator, even in the movie, as in the book, uh, they made, they really made Bernadette the protagonist. They made her the focus of this story, which I think is different. Than the book, and I think is that something about the medium? Did we need Kate Blanchett to be our hero here?
2: That's, I mean, that's one of the big problems for me is that she, everyone is a villain except for her, right? Even when she's saying things like "I'm a menace," it's kind of like I loved the um, Elton John. Movie that just came out. What was that called? Rocket Man. Rocket Man. I really enjoyed Rocket Man, but you could tell that he was a producer on it. Yeah, yeah. Because he was like, "I'm the worst. I was a jerk when I was born, and I never grew up." But then, really, he's just a victim. The entire movie, and I don't believe that that's true. It kind of felt like that a little bit, like this. Like she's only she's only a menace because she's not able to do everything that she's supposed to want to be able to do. Or had a, you know, had something taken away from her. And that just doesn't make... And then Billy Credup is painted as, I thought, a villain. And the daughter, who is supposed to be one of the most likable characters, really dives into that. And I thought Billy Crudup
1: was one of the most likable characters in the movie. See, no, and I didn't like him. I just really had a disconnect. I didn't like him. I really liked the daughter. But I went so far back and forth with Bernadette wow. because I didn't find her insane. I didn't find her needed to be committed. I did find her erratic, but I didn't ever think of her as uh, unlikable. And, really? and 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 well, yeah. I just thought she was selfish at times. Yeah, and uh, see, that's it, yeah. I don't
3: see it, it, was, it as selfish. What's the frame yeah. of reference? No, it, it, well, it is because you you. It's when you spend so much time with her at the beginning. It's too so, to me, it's to embed you in her perspective on things. And that's that's what we're getting. And so you've got somebody that's dealing with anxiety, depression, the, the sleeplessness. And then for me, the other part was, OK, we've got the dramatic end of her career, but then we've got four miscarriages and then a daughter that's born with a serious heart condition. And so this is another personal connection. I have some very close friends of ours at our church. Their son was born when he was born. He had to have three major heart surgeries and he and he, he was an infant. And for each one, they never knew if he was going to survive those surgeries. And there's a, a friend of theirs that actually made a very short documentary about it called "Dinosaur Heart." Uh, that's been playing around at some festivals, and it's an exploration of you know families and and the, and faith and making it through tough times. But we've known them through through those ups and downs, and I know the toll that that takes. So it for me she was a far more sympathetic character because i'm seeing somebody whose world has has crumbled and that decision after four miscarriages and a kid that survives you know life-changing surgery yeah to me it, it makes sense that those are her 16 remaining miracles because it's cost her so much to have b that she's going to invest herself so much in that child and that that's the other you know, piece of she had to give up so much of herself for her daughter. It, 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 you no human can endure that. It just it wears on you. And so to me, she was very sympathetic because I, this, I'm just treading in familiar spheres. Even my kids were at private school. So we had, you know, the Kristen wigs, you know, we had those parents that on the surface are perfect and their kid is like the bully of the school and they don't see it. And I'm like, I know these people not, you know, these are, you know, sort of some extremes, but I'm like, yes, I, we've had, had to deal with those people and they're just so, ugh. and
1: well, and that. Yeah. And that is where the movie worked from yeah. when the movie focused on how hard it is to be human and dealing with the crises and how it kind of breaks you down over time that you have to deal with all these things and, 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 and really looking at Bernadette as having Uh, difficulty dealing with that. I think one of the things that's interesting is that the drama in the book was even more intense. I mean, even just the things you're mentioning there, Steve are so hard for people to deal with. And we underestimate the toll that it takes on people in the book, in the book, which we don't see in the movie. So this isn't really fair to bring up in, in a review of the movie, but we see that LG, right? This is Billy credits character actually has an affair with that other mom from the school who becomes his admin. And, not only do they have an affair but they have they have a love child like she gets pregnant oh yes so i mean and that like i i don't think there's a place for that in this movie no but you want to talk about i mean tom maybe the reason why you feel that lg is kind of being painted as the the villain is because he really i mean he there's crises that he inflicts in the book. And that's the source material in the source material. So, and, and I cannot imagine for the life of me, how in the book, because again, I haven't read it, but how in the book we go through what we go through in the movie, plus these other things. And then we get to the ending that we have of the reunification of family. Oh my goodness. How does that work? I can't even imagine. Cause it's even difficult for me to jump that way in this. Right, I mean, uh, it, but it, when you think about LG having this affair and all these other things, like again, the best parts of the movie for me were when they were showing it's really hard to be human and we deal with a lot of stuff. Um, and then, but then there's these other stories too. I, I mean, uh, I I don't know what they could have done here, but if if LG's not the villain, then what is? Well, is it life? Well,
3: yes, it is because he's not the villain. He's he's the guy. That gets into you know let me fix it mode, which is what guys do, you know. And so she's she's not you know she's he hasn't noticed because work has been a focus. He's got the big launch, and it's real easy to ignore the things because until it becomes a problem, then he's like, well, let me step in and fix it, which is not what he needs to do. So for me, that revelation that they have when he's talking with B about
1: what he should be doing. Like when, are, like, you, are you saying oh, okay. when he said, I failed your probably mom? probably could have been executed. When they're sitting what? on the ice and saying that?
3: Yes, it could have. <laughs>
1: yeah, there, I during think the, it could have been executed a little reshoot. bit better yeah.
3: than that. <laughs> that was the,
2: the, the only time yes, that uh, exactly so so where that's, where it didn't look beautiful. I was like, oh, right. this, this, the first draft of this scene didn't right. hit. Yes. Right. So let's film it in all real exactly. close up with and one so little sad penguin sort of
1: vaguely <laughs> in the background. <laughs> well, and that's, yes, that exactly. scene was tough for me because that turn that, yeah. that you're mentioning, Steve, yeah. I just did buy. So, right. Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah. No, right. I didn't either. It, it needed to happen. I, I like the intent of it. It could have been done so much better, but I think they realized they they had to save that character they had to redeem him somehow and they they could have done it so much better but at least for me that saves him from being the villain and just makes him you know i'm not i'm not a villain i'm just a typical guy who's not doing what he should be doing to support his wife which is far from villainous if he'd had the affair i'd be like dude sorry you're a a dick you don't deserve this tell
1: me you said you said you liked him what what did you find super likable about him
3: one of the reasons i think i liked him is because
2: everyone else was blaming him so much and i felt like he was he was a hard worker yeah he worked really hard he provided for his family he invented a band-aid that can read your thoughts so that's (laughs) something and then
1: all love the circle
2: I, i think yeah exactly and then i feel like So much of the movie was just spending time saying that he was one of the big problems for Bernadette, including the daughter. And that hurt my ability, even after he was like, okay, I'm leaving the firm. Okay, I'm giving up on my dream project. Okay, all this stuff. She's still hammering him about being unavailable. Being unavailable is a real big problem. Leaving your family unannounced to go on a trip to find yourself to the Arctic. And then this weird, I'm only going to go, like, she wasn't talking or thinking about her family at all. Well, true. Towards the end. And then she calls them
1: on a landline and says, you have three hours to let me know. <laughs> Which doesn't make any sense. None it, of it works for me. But the, the part is, yes, if you're comparing the two things, but of course she was being threatened with being committed. Like, that's the thing, too. Yeah. Like well, from that the
2: bottom, whole scene from, is so...
1: Terrible mess. (laughs) And and from the daughter's perspective, she's not going to jump back on her dad's side after he confesses to trying to put his mom in a her mom in a mental institution. Like I I get why she ran. No, I get
2: doesn't make any sense. But I guess I just the it seems like such a hyped up thing to make it so immediate all of a sudden with the FBI. There was just the movie took such a huge turn there. I guess I didn't go with it. Oh, we haven't even talked so, about the FBI. Ugh, why do we have to? <laughs> so <laughs> bizarre. Because <laughs> he also does that just real quick about the director. He also does that weird uh, Soderbergh thing where he cast a bunch of comedic actors yes. in straightforward roles, right. which immediately makes you think of, oh, this must be satire.
1: This must be funny. Yes. But
2: this must be funny. This must be satire. But it never really picked a lane for me.
1: And that's not the actor's fault. Because yeah. I think the actors did a great job of playing it straight. Yes. I think in each of the cases, in Kristen Wiig, in Meg Mallory, in Steve Zahn, um, and who else? I mean, everybody came across as yes. Everybody came across Judy Greer to some degree too. I mean, it, 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 to everyone did a great job of being straight into their character. But we know them as. Uh, more and in a hundred minutes, I think, in if they're given more time, in you can you can go along with them. But when each of these people are brought together in a, a sort of loose ensemble, we're we're kind of left with cliff notes of who these actors are and we're kind of expecting the punchline. And it just never, it, it definitely didn't happen. I mean, I called this a dramedy from Link Letter. I don't know, I don't know if that's fair. I don't, I don't know that I laughed in the movie at all. I, it was it was a lighthearted drama does that make sense no yeah it was a camera. yeah <clears throat> and- no
3: i mean yes i mean there's you Comera. you have you, the comedy and tragedy sides so yes the, the whole you know mudslide scene is yes right. so over the top. That yes, it is. It is comic. You know the the
2: in the book, four of those kids drowned. Oh, okay, what yeah. <laughs>
3: died? no, I'm, just, like, no, I'm joking. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'm, joking. <laughs> I'm trying to keep punching up the book. The, this crazy thing. So yes, it is, oh, it is more lighthearted because you've got the whole like oh running over whether or not she actually <laughs> runs over you know someone's right. foot. Um, you know there there are those those lighter. Moments. I mean the the whole thing of the uh, the prescription because she asks you know her digital assistant to get her something really strong for the anxiety and on the boat and ends up you know with something that no one should ever be prescribing to any person ever. Right. You know. Uh, right. So yes, I agree. It's not quite comic, but it is it is lighter, and I think it's because it is tackling really heavy, serious subject matter. Because if we if we tackle Bernadette's, you know, anxiety, depression, antisocial, you know, tendencies. Yeah, it's going to become really oppressive and really dark and not enjoyable at all. And we have to have a lighter tone. And I think that that lighter tone also helps us buy into some things, you know, like the, yes, uh family, you've got to get in touch with me in three hours. No, I mean, that's, that's ridiculous, but we're in a, a lighter place versus the, she's right. on the verge of a mental breakdown. And if she doesn't build this new, if she doesn't help build this new structure down there, you know, her world's going to unravel. We The stakes are not as severe. That's
1: fair. Mm. Yep.
3: So, you know, uh, I, you know, the one scene that stuck out with me that felt very, I know what it needed to do. And I I think the structure... Helped salvage it a little bit was the dual conversations where, where uh, Bernadette is talking with one of her former colleagues, played by Lawrence Fishburne, about what she's been up to, and then you have Algy uh, mm-hmm. talking with Judy Greer, the counselor/slash psychologist, mm-hmm. and you're getting the two different perspectives on what's going on with Bernadette and whether or not she's, you know, really lost it is she even sort of self-aware and i i love how that scene ends with Lawrence fishburne where he's like okay are you done you know this you know that you know this forget all this you just need to get back to creating because this is all bs basically that's you know she's making excuses she just needs to get back to work that's her that's her joy and her passion i'd see how that could work in the book And a film, it was it was a bit lengthy. And I thought this is a lot of dialogue, a lot of heavy, you know, just exposition back and forth. I know we as an audience needed to get that information. And I think he tried to salvage it by even doing what I thought was slightly unusual camera work on that of. Yeah. Where the camera's like, why is the camera, you know, we might do a slow pushing, but why are we going up, up, uh, up? Why are we going but, up? Yes.
2: And then we do that, the Jaws thing where like the background is going away yes. while we're doing yes. the but
3: it, I yes. always forget what that's called, right. but, but yeah. It, it, we had to have something visual to, you know, the camera needed to be moving to give us something because we're on these shots for so long. And it was, that's one piece where I felt, yeah, I can see, see the mechanics of how you're trying to save this uh, because you couldn't. Find another solution of how to get this adapted for film.
1: Right. I, you know, and I get what you're saying. I liked that scene. I thought there was some innovation in that scene. It was really hard for me to hear LG's perspective and how it was so different from, you know, what was going on with Bernadette and her you know former mentor i i but that aspect of the story that creators got to create right that sort of that again we talk about i liked that that being a human is hard and the idea that artists have to create those those ideas were ideas that made the movie positive to me. It's just that they weren't consistent throughout and that, you know, we lacked some cohesiveness in the family. We, the, the crises weren't necessarily strung together in the, in the best of ways. Um, those scenes were okay for me, but the big scenes, man, the commitment, the, the we're going to commit you scene. And then the, the turn, the, those things where we're supposed to understand how everyone's emotions are, uh, evolving through the story, they those didn't work for me. And that was really hard. Maybe that's partly because
2: if the novel is mostly, I'm going to keep saying epistolary, I'm pretty yeah, sure that's yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. that there's very little actual, you see, the source material has very little actual human connection. Right. It's one person talking to another or I assume maybe like records of uh, interviews or things like that. So they really had to sort of make that up From scratch,
1: these people, if she's not in it for much, these people aren't in the same room very much at all. And maybe that's the reason why we did it that way. Maybe that's the reason why we get these two, uh, I guess they're interviews or conversations intercut like that. That's also why we get that YouTube you know, we refer to the YouTube video a couple times and, and Bernadette goes to watch her, the YouTube video about herself uh, for a while. She can't finish it. So then B, the daughter comes to us later on and finishes it. And that's where we get these. And maybe that's the homage to the epistolary, right? The, the different thing of, of here, you know, in that video, we get the sort of celebration of her architecture achievements and things like that. I think I think that's interesting. It, unfortunately, it felt they felt like asides in the movie because, again, I, I really felt like the movie was very linear in the way that it was approaching things.
2: When you brought up the idea a while ago about how in the book she's not there for a long time, yeah, it made me think of Gone Girl, which I know you are not right. a fan of, right? but for different reasons. I don't think yes. you are not a fan of the storytelling the way that it's done.
1: Right. I think it's very effective. That's a
2: strong example of introducing someone and then just getting everyone else's side about her. And then she shows up and the whole world turns upside down. I wonder if that actually would have been an interesting way to go about this. Build up Kate Blanchett's character as this unstoppable, unexplainable, no one can understand force. Yeah. In her absence. And then we figure out. But. Tommy, sort of what happened now that could be interesting
3: now in the adaptation though of gone girl i think they did went with the more traditional because we don't have her disappear from the movie for that long because we see where she is you know they they they, mm-hmm. they, they took that more linear because i know in the book it's like yeah we get we've got his perspective for a, a good chunk of time but in the for movie
2: a, i guess i just mean yeah. that for, for a good chunk yeah. of time though don't you think i mean the yeah. entire uh investigation he has like multiple lawyer meetings mm. all the press conferences all of that it felt i guess and then yeah she's just we don't know where she is
1: well and if you wanted to tell this yeah. story that way again in that non-linear yeah. way you just have it begin with her disappearance yeah all these things that happen to give us the understanding of what's going on in her seattle life happen in flashback or as it's being pieced together of what she could possibly be doing being away as opposed to all this stuff happened and so of course we know she's gone to antarctica Right, I mean, it it almost took the mystery out of it. Another movie that I would compare it to is A Simple Favor, the Anna Kendrick oh, yeah, yeah. and um and uh, Blake Lively yeah, it's movie. It's got
2: a huge turn; yeah, she's gone true. for a while,
1: right? So, and and again, then Anna Kendrick does the sort of uh, try the mystery. She's doing the sleuthing to try to figure out who it is. I think that the format kind of fails this movie a little bit in that it it saps us of the buildup because we're a part of the buildup the whole way through. And that maybe that epistolary format of the book is something that's particularly special and needed to be salvaged a little bit here in the movie.
2: Yeah, Gone Girl didn't start with showing her eating Cheetos in a cheap hotel. No.
1: Right. She was right. just Gone yeah.
2: Girl for like a yes. while. So that's interesting. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, now, and now th- this movie has had pretty lukewarm reviews. And yes. one of the things, I think I saw that it was pushed back. I know it was pushed back more than three times. It might've been pushed back five times. And then, you know, here we are in, in August, which isn't, you know, known for being a very special time for movies to come out. Uh, Did, did you guys get a sense that, uh, that any of this stuff could have been uh, the reason why it was looking for a weekend here in mid August? It feels
2: pretty edited to me. The runtime is confusing. Uh, There, there there's some pretty obvious, I felt reshoots involved. Um, and some, and all of those reshoots had very clear, this is what I'm thinking right now. And this is what makes me okay now, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah. I would think that there was some pretty disappointing audience
1: screenings. Well, and link link letter, you know, link letter argued against that saying that the audience always loved it. But when you look into th- but that's from link letter, yeah. you know, that's like Stephen King talking about his book movies too. I, when you look at it, there, th- there were a couple screenings over the summer that specifically got them to like change direction and move things uh, in different things. So it, it, depending on who you're hearing from, it's that way, you know, it, it, it's either they did it just because of something mechanical or there is a reason why they put it here uh, and, and are competing in this weekend. So,
2: yeah, I think that there's a more challenging to Bernadette version of this move. Where you- she's not sort of a Mary Sue. She's not just sort of the tortured genius that everyone has been mean to. And isn't she great, even though she calls herself a menace? Where yeah. that feeling that you, I had trouble with the I like her, I don't like her, I like her, I don't like her, because so much of the movie was forcing me to like her. Yeah. Everyone is talking about how I should like her, including you know, the husband comes around, the daughter is such a strong. Force for that. I wonder if there was one. Yeah, yeah, I wonder if. And she lives the whole time, (laughs) and then she shows up in the South Pole, and she's she shouldn't have said you can go. Yeah, she should have said, hey, before you go, fix our stupid house. (laughs) Our house is filled with rain buckets. (laughs) Like I I know you want to make a walking building, but come on. (laughs) I'm catching colds all the time. We live in Hill House.
1: It was, literally, The House on Hill. Um, Yeah, and uh, everything that I've seen is uh, talked about it as a collaboration between Kate Blanchett and Richard Linklater. So I think she was pretty instrumental in in this movie. Yeah, exactly. She is outstanding in the movie. Unfortunately
2: for me, and I'm just talking for me, she's outstanding in playing a character I would never want to hang out with. Right. (laughs) Uh, But she is unflinching in it.
1: But that could be part of the reason too that we end up with a you like her, you don't like her kind of thing, right? I mean, if they really wanted to do a service to the Bernadette character, they maybe needed her either to be a primary protagonist or gone altogether. They needed to make more of a decision about that. But with Kate Blanchett bringing the movie to the screen, yeah, I don't think you can do that, can you? That's a good point. No,
3: not, not, not yeah. when you're Anna perna and you you've you're in financial distress. You're going to put money into Kate Blanchett. She's going to be in every single scene.
1: They are in financial ruin. Okay. Right now. They've been threatened with bankruptcy. They're in huge, huge problems. So, um, just so sad because they're making such good films. I was hoping for better on this too. Oh, me too.
2: But I mean, in general, I love their slate. Oh
1: yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think so too. Uh, we've talked about lots of people in this movie. Um, you know, do we, Emma Nelson the girl we you know we didn't really mention her. I think she was great. I thought she was 100% likable throughout.
3: Oh, um, I disagree with that, but I thought she Oh, you do. <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> only the, when she's hammering at uh, Billy Crudup too much.
3: <laughs> yeah, Tommy just doesn't like children. We know that
1: children or women is what we're saying that's terribly unfortunate um no well but it's interesting because in the book again i shouldn't keep bringing these things up because they're not in the movie but in the book she and her dad don't talk for like a one or two week period after Mm -hmm. uh leaves it's not like they jump after her after a day they uh they have a huge part where they're they're barely their, their their reconciliation is huge in the step towards going to find where Bernadette is. So um, that's that could have been um, nice. Yeah, that whole part has no breath. Right, like all they of the breath in the movie really disappears. And, and a, that, I, that is probably my biggest criticism is that at a hundred minutes, there's no way to make these huge character moves work. And so all we're left with is shorthanded things. All we're left with is, you know, we need to mention Microsoft money eight times. We need to, you know, she needs to repeat that she's a menace. She needs to, she needs to hammer on the fact that she's calling everyone gnats and that they're, you know, we really need this shorthand of repeated words and the lack of air for these characters to say where they're going emotionally to really figure out where we're going. This movie could have been better longer and i don't know that i've i've ever caught myself saying that on this <laughs> show before so uh it, it, if is there anybody else that you want to bring up if they have tons of actors we talked about it. almost feels like stunt casting a little bit when you get meg mulally and lawrence fishburn in here for for just moments on screen uh, did, did anybody stick out to you as a particularly uh, fun performance there in the in the small roles
2: I really did enjoy Kristen Wiig. I guess that's not a small role. I'm generally a little bit, I thought Lawrence Fishburne was great. Yeah. Putting someone like Megan Mullally or Steve Zahn in that's, I think it's absolutely stunt casting. Right. That, that ends up being a little distracting for me. Sure. Just me personally, I'm always going, oh, hey, Steve Zahn. What's he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like He's... if it's just this little like yeah. speaking, yeah. like talking head thing. Yeah. I don't. I never really understand that. Uh, other than just everyone, I'm sure wanted to be a part of this movie, right? Yeah, well, and that's the thing, I mean, and the book is so beloved.
1: We also really like those people, right? I mean, I don't know if that's what you're talking about with Steve Zahn, but I, I mean, I'm a huge Megan Mullally fan. Like, I want to see who she is in this movie. Like, bring more more of her character out because if you're going to bring these big names, these are these are actors that I really enjoy, and I want more of them. And we don't really get them in this in this instance. They could have been played by character well, actors and it wouldn't so, have hurt the film so
3: so my it thought would have helped the verisimilitude. well i think for me what i think could have been part of this is we we are seeing bernadette as an unlikable person how do you show that ha- she has the potential to be a likable person you have recognizable friendly people like so we know steve zahn is a nice guy if he's saying nice things about Bernadette, clearly she couldn't have been a bad person.
2: <laughs> okay, no, that makes so much it sense. It gives that shared credibility. I, that makes so yeah. much sense, but that is a yet another example of J.J.'s shorthand. Oh, I right? agree. I They're agree. just forcing yes. the issue yes. of like, well, and then like Mr. Rogers is like, Bernadette's great. Yes. And you're like, oh, okay. yes. uh, it's manipulative. But I mean, that yeah. makes a ton of yeah. sense, Steve. I think you're exactly on the
1: mark. I do too. It doesn't make me feel better about the choice, no, but, but it right. makes me understand no, I, the choice so much I, more.
3: I, I mean, yeah. I loved all of the architecture stuff. I mean, that whole you know the, those yeah. those two buildings that we get those stories of were were fascinating to me, and I wish we had more of that. Uh, but I know you know we're we're streamlined. We've got to keep things moving along for pacing purposes, and it gave us just enough to know that you know we've get the the one interview with. Who was it? Was that David Paymer? Where he's talking about uh, oh the sweater. Well, when he's she's designing and she needs to know how many men and how many women are in the building and what the hour, you know. So the that was neat. you know. So we get that and then we see that come back. And to me, that's that it's mentioned there and it's like oh that's Mm -hmm. that shows she sort of operates uniquely. But then later on when we're talking about planning this Arctic building, she you know she's back at that place and I need to be there. I need to inhabit the space and we see that she's back into her. Way of really operating at her prime in that, and so I think those pieces served that purpose. I wish we we learned more because there's there's beautiful architecture throughout those two buildings, the house. There's there's great pieces. I I almost wanted this to be sort of like you know chef, but with architecture of somebody going yeah. on that that oh, quest. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But that's a different story altogether because I think it's it's really about her her struggles, but the. I'm hoping on the DVD we get more of the you know like the full sure. the full documentary the full you know TED talks mm-hmm. all of those yeah. things.
1: Well, and you would assume yeah. that the link letter cut is ex- extremely long. Yeah, because right? he shot
3: this for like what I twenty mean, years, right? He shot this over twenty years of just her. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Oh, speaking of, <laughs> of shorthand and other things, yeah, there was a lot of things with that documentary type stuff. Of wow, that's 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 really green screened, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And the
2: Photoshop.
3: Yes, the photoshopping. We can
2: make we can make robot monsters out of nothing. Yeah, but we, we still can't figure out how to put two people in a photograph <laughs> that weren't there <laughs> in the first place. Oh, are you it's, talking about
1: the the Billy Crudup and Kate Blanchett where they all of them? those? Yeah. It was ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Even yeah, with yeah, her, was...
2: I mean, I can't believe. I just have trouble believing that no one has been able to figure that out. I mean whoever will be will just be a zillionaire. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every movie has these horrible photoshops. Well, that's that's why, horrible. because
3: no one can afford to pay a zillionaire to do those things. That's yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I, don't I suppose
1: know. I, I heard that so they were going to shoot all of the Antarctic stuff on a set. Oh. But Kipling yeah. would not let that happen. Oh, good! So oh, they filmed those... they filmed it in Gre- in Greenland yeah. actually.
2: Oh, I like that. That's great. Which yeah, oh, I mean it's you beautiful.
1: Yeah, equipment to Antarctica. So so that's, yeah. You guys
2: ever want to lick an iceberg?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Whenever it's like the real when air hasn't gotten in, so it's got that blue. Yes, That's right. What makes
1: that blue thing? I always want to lick it. Yes, when it's the blue thing, it's actually raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just- oh my god! Right. I gotta go real quick to Greenland. <laughs> um it's quick talking about the camera i mentioned my that overhead shot at the beginning was great mm-hmm. you couldn't really figure out what it was at first and then you know as we come in and you get the narration i, I thought that was that was great there wasn't a whole lot of really a particular uh, shots you know motion control stuff or, or 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 things that would be outside the norm in this movie that i noticed did you guys catch anything from shane kelly that uh, p- piqued your interest
2: I like when she was uh, walking in the library that she loves so much. She gets stopped yeah. by a fan and oh, is yeah. very uncomfortable. He used the architecture extremely well as a yeah. background yeah. and using it. Yes. The camera would always flow the same direction, like amplifying the architecture instead of just sort of looking at it. It was almost like if the architecture would move, this is what it would look
1: like. Yeah, and, and I, I think- thought that was really smart. You know, Steve, Steve mentioned this sort of celebra- celebration of architecture. I think all of the documentary-style stuff that was in the BB Bifocals mm-hmm. place looked gorgeous. Yes, But again, it was more like stills in a sort of like an editorial, this sort of like news way of shooting as opposed to something that was production based. Uh, but I, I, that was the nature, right? we we're, we're, we were seeing that in this YouTube video. So I, I think that works for that, but it, it, I didn't notice it in sort of a cinematic style as much as I did in something that was shot for a different medium. Uh, one other change. Uh, we had the emotional song in the car. That they were singing Cyndi Lauper mm-hmm. as they were coming up, and which totally worked for the scene. They actually used it for the closing credits too, I believe. Which I think was possible in the book. It was actually "Here Comes the Sun," which oh I really? Think, well, yeah, which I think
3: yeah, it's it's which I think it's
1: to, to some degree. In the book, they talked about how. How uh, how wonderful and how joyful you feel at the Im- immediate first, you know, the first plucks of the melody on Here Comes the Sun. And that's what made Bernadette think about her daughter, which I think time after time has a little bit more of a melancholy piece to it. So, potentially, for the way that they're shooting the movie, I actually kind of like time after time better for what they were trying to show, especially in, you know, I was just joking before about breakdown at Bernie's, but because Bernadette is going through this a deeply emotional time. I think time after time works as a theme for the connection between her and her daughter.
2: If you fall, I will catch you. I will be waiting. Yes. Sure. Yep. Right? Yeah.
1: yeah. And that tells the story, right? Exactly. And I, I thought that was, yeah. that was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have any final comments, any other things that you think we should mention that we may have missed? when we? I thought in the closing credits, you see the creation of, yeah. Uh,
2: which was, must've just been some sort of, Oh, <laughs> You need a scientist to build that, <laughs> right? I would have loved it if she had. You saw like the creation of all of it, and the time after time is playing, and then it immediately just falls through the ice because you <laughs> no. made it out of like bifocals, <laughs> or or the whole thing ends with a spinning newspaper, and it says that that game show guy bought that too <laughs>
1: no. and
2: destroyed it just to make no. more parking spaces in the South <laughs> oh Pole.
1: that's hilarious! You're horrible, you know. There's there. There's a, a commercial out right now i think it's a geico commercial where there's a guy who's singing karaoke and he's at the south pole and he's singing yes, uh, yeah. backstreet boys yes right i want it that way and it's and it's really jokey like the guys are like oh my gosh i have to listen to this there's one guy it fakes like he's gonna walk out of the of the pod and just walk on his own but the pod is exactly as designed in the film uh, it looks exactly like the the things that have been designed by Bernadette in the film, where it had actually led me to, to look and see if, the, if this was based on a true story, but it's not at all. It's they didn't make that for the film, did they? No, no that's got to be. No, that's the that's like a real yeah. thing. That's I, the point. Yeah, yeah they, they, oh, okay. they they are doing a mock up of what has really come to inhabit what I believe it, it, there at the South Pole. So I think that's super, super interesting. Okay. Uh, if you guys don't have anything else to go to on this movie, <laughs> maybe it's time that we rank it. Hey, Bernadette, where'd you go? Flickchart.
3: Oh, (laughs) so sad.
1: That's right. That's right. Send it back. I love it. Vaudeville, yeah? We've got all the movies we've talked about on this show ranked over at flickchart.com slash TNR film board. Flickchart is a really cool site where you can create a tournament style stack ranking of your movie preferences. So go check it out and find out how your film favorites fare against ours. Okay. Steve is running the booth for us tonight yes where do we start steve <laughs> this
3: is this is kind of funny um okay because for a long time on the main show pete and andy had the O brother block you know cohen brothers o yeah, brother and it was yeah, always yeah. like this was the midpoint and could stuff mm. get past that yes or no we have another cohen brothers here we've got uh where'd you go bernadette or hail caesar i'm just remembering from our re-ranking yeah everything that
1: happened with hail caesar exactly i will start and i will say hail caesar
2: i'm terrified that i'm gonna wake up and it actually turns out i fell asleep and we're still (laughs) re-ranking and every everything since that has been a horrible dream
3: so tommy where are you gonna go with this one
2: uh hail caesar all right
3: hail caesar it is all right, we have Where'd You Go, Bernadette, or Insurgent. This was the second in the
1: series. Oh, oh. goodness gracious. Mm. <laughs> I think I'm going to say Bernadette.
2: I'm going to say Bernadette for Kate Blanchett.
3: Oh, oh yes, yeah. I wholeheartedly agree with that. All right, Good. Where'd You Go, Bernadette, or The Dark Knight Rises. Which
1: Dark Knight for me, Dark three? Knight
3: is, my name is Bane, you can barely understand oh. me.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: um, I'm Dark Knight. Pete or Steve, why don't you vote? Then I might not have to.
3: Oh no, because I'm going to go with Bernadette. Oh yes, yeah, so, you know
2: which would I most like to rewatch
3: right now? Dark Knight. Um, <laughs> okay. All here right, here you go, Bernadette mean? or Murder on the Orient Express? Uh,
1: ah, Bernadette for me. Yeah, Bernadette. Bernadette, it is. Okay. I didn't expect that. That was unexpected. Bernadette Bernadette.
3: or Cloud Atlas?
1: Bernadette. (laughs) Bernadette. Uh,
2: (laughs) Cloud Atlas. I loved watching that with JJ. Um, (laughs) I would say for Vision, Cloud Atlas, True True.
3: Okay, but I'm going to go with Bernadette. Okay, wow. All right. And it's giving us, interesting, Bernadette or the Dark Knight Rises again. So we will say Dark Knight Rises again. And that uh, puts it interesting because beneath Dark Knight Rises and Cloud Atlas is the Equalizer. For some reason, it didn't throw it up against the Equalizer. So it's now actually Dark Knight, Equalizer, where'd you go, Bernadette? at number 55 okay. out of our 80, out of
2: 83. 55 How much? out of 83? 55 out of 83. I'm okay with that. That yes. seems okay for this that, movie. That uh, yeah.
3: gives us, uh, oh, well, let's see. It, it puts it at 1.5 stars according to the Flick Chart Algorithm.
1: So, and I'm going to put it at two and a half. It's a, you know, I mentioned I'm the left, right and center on this. I I'm in the center. Um, I, I think it's a really middling movie. I think, I think all your points are really valid. Steve, if you have Mm -hmm. situations, struggles, people that you know, who have been through this, I think there's a lot of redeeming qualities about this movie and you're going to be okay with it. I would say, don't listen to the critical stuff and just go in with an open mind and enjoy what there is to enjoy Uh, but there's going to be a lot of negativity out there on it. So I'm two and a half stars and a not like I'm two and a not like
3: I am three and a half and a like.
1: Oh. Cool. So that puts us almost up to three. So I think that's in a good spot. Yes. I think that uh, kind of makes sense for us. It's amazing that it doesn't go the other way, but again, three votes on flick chart. It's going to move things in different directions there. So what's next for us? Where do we go from here next month? <laughs> these guys have kidnapped me and put me in the back <laughs> of a van and are going to force me to watch it. Chapter two coming out <laughs> the weekend after Labor Day weekend. It comes out on September 6th. I did not see the first one. I am going to have to take uh, all this time, literally from today up until that movie <laughs> comes out, to take the first it in short bursts. But uh, as Tommy, you mentioned in the pre show, uh, that first it was the greatest horror film uh, by dollars of all, right? It made the most money, I believe. That's a pre- definitely not the best horror film. But, no, no, no. I, yeah, that's what I mean. It made the most money. That's so. a pretty big deal. And I think it, it makes sense for us to cover it, even though I am going to need uh, additional rounds of therapy after. So Now, neither Peter Andy are with us on the show right now, but uh, they are currently in a run of all the Robin Hood movies. No. Yeah. And I think the one that I just saw recently, they were doing Robin and the Seven Hoods, the Frank Sinatra version of it. That's right. (laughs) The Rat Pack. So they're literally doing all of them. I think we're going to get a Men of Tights. I think we're going to get a Prince of Thieves. I think we're going to get all that stuff. So uh, check in with them. And I know that Andy is hard at work prepping for the next Marvel movie minute Uh, about the Hulk, which should be great. There were some cool hiatus episodes about the Hulk TV show and a bunch of stuff in the background there. So check those out if you didn't get a chance there. We did also talk a little bit in about it in the show open, but all you wonderful people in the world out there should come join us over at Discord at thenextreel.com. Let us know you want to hang out on our server, and we gather there with our fun film family and discuss lots of remarkable things from throughout the entertainment universe. There's also specific chats about all of our shows, so come and join our gang and interact with us on the Internet kind of cool and uh, there's fun votes and stuff and it actually led to this show today which is super great that's where we will keep the conversation going but for this one say good night tommy handsome
3: we did it
1: and one last word from steve sarmento hondo at the next reel when the movie ends our conversation begins till next
0: Andy, according to my friend, Internet, this is what Letterboxd is. Letterboxd is a global social network for grassroots film discussion and discovery. Use it as a diary to record and share your opinion about films as you watch them, or just keep track of films you've seen in the past. Showcase your favorites on your profile page. That is a lot. You bet it is. That's why I want you to tell our fair listeners just one thing you do with Letterboxd that has changed the way you watch movies. Let them have it. Okay, are you ready for this? So ready. I love lists. As of today, I have 246 lists in my account. I use them to track the movies I watch, organize them in all sorts of different ways. I track them by hand. I clone lists from other people. I use them to plan what I'm going to be watching. All sorts of things. I just, I love creating lists. It's a fantastic tool. Classiest animated characters. Andy, what is this? We love Letterboxd. And if you're a movie lover, we are sure you will too. And when you upgrade from the free account, you will remove ads and support the great Kiwi team building this amazing service. Just use the discount code NEXTREEL or visit thenextreel.com slash letterbox to get 20% off your pro or patron membership. And it works for renewals as well.